everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Stating the Obvious. Let's start with our regularly scheduled intro. Renee, I'm trying to catch you off guard. Can you say something obvious for us? Uh, you know, most of the time I do. I try to find like a very niche fact that just sounds obvious, but at the same time you didn't know about it. But this time, fuck it. Real analysis just gives you anal. Like, it is, it's such a hard topic. I just can't. That is my fact. You just can't? <laughs> I just can't. <laughs> is that really obvious? That, I mean, the name is Real Anal, so Real Anal. So it is kind of obvious, okay. but at the same time, you okay. wouldn't know unless you actually took it. Okay, okay, I buy it. All right, uh, Noah, how about you? Would you state something obvious for us? I think mayonnaise is an underrated con- condiment, and I think that's a fact. I agree. What? I will second no. this opinion. He, he just said, I think this is a fact. I mean, it is a fact. <laughs> and if you disagree okay. with me, it's because you're wrong. Okay. All right. Well. And Jacob, state something obvious for us. Yeah, I, I'm taking so many organic chemistry classes, I can now draw perfect hexagons on demand. So many perfect hexagons. <laughs> and it's so satisfying. This is not, this is not an obvious fact. Oh, this is obvious. But, you know what? It's completely okay because we have Anirudh Garg to make up for it. We have a guest today on, on today's episode of Stating the Obvious. So Anirudh, will you join us in our regular intro and state something obvious Thank you for, for us. having me and Stating the Obvious. The eye is actually a part of the brain, not a separate organ. What the fuck? This is true. This is true. See? Uh-huh. Oh, I guess that makes sense. Huh. And I got the prospective doctor bro- backing me up on that. Yeah, okay, damn. I guess I guess that does make sense. I don't know. I guess I never really gave it much thought. Your eyes are just your eyes. Well, actually, I a little bit of a story. Yesterday, I got like a pretty serious injury because of uh, like a concussion. So uh, one of the impacts is hypersensitivity sensitivity to light, which also caused headaches. So whenever you get rocked around or you have high adrenaline, uh, the hypersensitivity sensitivity to light can trigger headaches. How did you get concussed? Uh, I got strangled. And I got taken down ah. and smashed against the mat and strangled. She's just a tornado. All right, more on that later. <laughs> uh, I mean, okay, Ani, why don't you just tell us a bit about yourself? You okay, know, so... Just who you are. I guess, like all of you, I graduated from Plano West. Uh, I'm currently studying economics at UTD. I am in the process of publishing my own book. I am a combat sports athlete. And I am a connoisseur in psychedelic mushrooms. I'm sorry, did you just call yourself a combat sports athlete? Yes. Explain. Uh, I compete in combat sports. I train. And, and what are those combat sports? Uh, I've competed in Muay Thai and Jiu-Jitsu. Andre, I'm going to tell you right now, nobody calls them that. It's MMA. Uh, it's mixed martial arts. I have not competed in the sport of MMA yet. I like how Noah just like glanced over the connoisseur of psychedelic mushrooms and took issue with combat sports. This is what happened, Noah. His head is in the right place. There's nothing wrong with taking shrooms, all right? Let's be honest. Like, if I'm being honest, Anirud is like entirely the type of person I would expect to take shrooms. Why, thank you. What I can't stand for is the fact that he calls himself a combat sports artist. Athlete. 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 Whatever. Athlete, Noah. Athlete. Wait, so why do you have contention with that? 
Because nobody calls it that. Just call it MMA. Like, if you say, oh, I do MMA, everybody knows what you're talking about. If you say, I'm a combat sports athlete, people think that you're getting on a horse and jousting the people on the weekends. Okay, but here's the problem. If I say I do MMA, that is misinformation because I have never actually done MMA in a professional setting or even like a competitive setting. Oh, okay, yeah, but like you don't have to be like a, comp- like a competitive like MMA fighter to like do MMA. No, like MMA isn't like, like it's like, if if you like you play football, like you don't have to play in the NFL to play football. Yeah, but then I wouldn't call myself like an an athlete, if I just do something recreationally. I mean, I don't think if it, I only consider athletics well, isn't like a professional title, is it? Okay, okay. I, I guess we're arguing. Well, if you're over wondering why the banter between these two is flowing so nicely is because obviously we all know each other from high school Anirudh was also he did debate for for a while he was but... my LD captain <laughs> and uh, I will tell you right now our LD program our Lincoln Douglas debate program was hot garbage uh, um, yeah I agree don't, don't try to contend that uh, no, I, I, like I completely can. agree you, what you're saying is 100% yeah. truth Yo, uh, I only have one question for you though. Why did you wear a fedora to all the tournaments? So yeah, I've also so we'll, we'll get to that. Okay, uh, I just want I just want to back up a little bit, explain to to the viewers or the listeners who who don't do debate or like may not uh, know the debate lingo. So basically, um, there's a few different forms of debate. Uh, public forum debate is one, and that's two on two. Lincoln-Douglas debate is another, and that's one-on-one. And the thing that separates Lincoln-Douglas debate is that it's more philosophy-oriented. But at our school, Jasper and later Plano West, LD was basically a place where you put all the weird kids who don't fit in either Congress, Extemp, or PF. Yeah, just for reference, the four of us, we were all PFers. Any of the topics that we were talking about in previous episodes, which you should definitely check out, were all based around like public forum debate. Uh, yeah, I did Lincoln-Douglas debate. Uh, I will probably agree that public forum is a lot more accessible. It's just easier to understand, and I think it's more productive. It's the most productive of the debate activities. So, credit to you, Alan. Uh, I don't know. Honestly, we spent most of our time playing Smash. Yeah, sure, it's honest, still more productive, productive than what I was doing. Oh, man. You're going to have to tell me about those Bojard cases sometimes. But anyways... Yeah, so Anirudh was my LD captain, uh, and I don't think there was ever a single occasion on which I respected his authority. Uh, I'm pretty sure, like from day one, I'm pretty sure I just insulted him every every single... Yes, you did. Every other minute. And he took it very well, which surprised me. A lion cares not for the opinion of sheep. All right, uh, quote Mussolini, but um, yeah, so ever since then, I've been willing to give Anirudh uh, some leeway. He, he's in my good book, just because I'm able to shit on him and he doesn't get pissed. Thank you. And Noah, while you shit on me, I do respect your opinion. You're a very educated person, and uh, I love your perspective. You keep it real. Yeah. You can check out Noah keeping it real on Noah's history segment called History with Noah. Let's not forget about no, that. That's not a segment. It's a very don't make good it a segment. segment. It's our favorite segment, Noah. Yeah, I definitely want to get into history with you, Noah, because uh, I actually tutor world history, AP World History. You do? Yeah. I was actually doing that right oh, before that this out. conversation. 
is that is that like profitable is it actually like worthwhile uh i mean it's uh significantly higher than even bernie's proposed minimum wage so damn all right okay yeah we take those for sure well I, I feel you like still have probably... not answered my fedora question. Okay, yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Me. Uh, so at the time, my excuse for the fedora is, oh, I just liked it. It's a sense of style. That wasn't really the case. The fedora looked awful. Uh, it made me look awful. But at the time, I was very insecure. I was dealing with a lot of hair loss. You know, it just happens sometimes. Puberty, ups and downs. So it was like a convenient tool to hide it, especially in like dealing with people who I would meet first impression. I'd rather give the first impression that I was a moron than that I was, you know, uh, fading away or unhealthy. To be fair, that was a far more serious answer than I was expecting. I mean, to be fair, Anirudh, really, nobody thought you were a moron because you wore a fedora. People thought you were weird because you wore a fedora. I accept that. I mean, it's not necessarily a bad thing. I've seen people wear all sorts of getups at debate tournaments. Oh my god, it's pretty crazy. Oh. And then you have people who just show up in like Dean's t-shirt, just like mm. hello. I've yeah. come to debate. Also, a little off topic. Yeah. Noah, when you accused me of quoting Mussolini, I was not quoting Mussolini. I was quoting Tywin Lannister. No, I'm pretty sure lions do not concern themselves with the opinions of sheep as a Mussolini no, no. So quote. the Mussolini quote is, it is better to be a lion for a day than a sheep for a lifetime. Uh, yeah, that makes sense. But, you know, I'm not a reader of Mussolini, so I'm not familiar with his quotes. <laughs> I was just giving a lecture on uh, fascism, so... I mean, yeah, this is a little uh, fresh in my mind. World history, we assume? Yeah. The between the how, war how period. Do you, how, how do you tutor world history? Like, I'm going to be honest, like, I thought about tutoring history before, but I don't understand how you tutor history. Like, to me, like, history is something that, like, you either know or you don't. Like, just, like if you're confused about it, go read a book. Like, I, I don't understand. Like, how do you tutor history? Uh, so I think it's because you intuitively have an understanding of history in a story format. A little thing that I like to say, it's a little corny, but uh, history is his story. It's a story of humanity. And it's about explaining stories in overarching trends. So, for example, like uh, if I were to take history like Marx and take a class-based understanding, I would look at history as like a series of class revolts. And I would take the story of class rebellions and I'd apply it and see how it changes across different cultures. So likewise, if I'm telling any history, it's about the higher level thinking about weaving narratives together. So mm. a lot of kids struggle with that because it's not something that's just intuitive. You're not a fan of history. Then you're not just going to pick, start picking up those archetypes. So the kids that I work with are mostly kids who are struggling with history. It's not something that they like thinking. So it's about the way that I work with them is inspiring them to think in that way. Hmm. Oh, that's pretty interesting. That's a, that's a cool approach. Oh, thank you. Uh, I guess, obviously, you know, as the guests, uh, the listeners of this podcast probably know a bit more about me, Noah, Prene, and Jacob than you. So uh, we'll just ask you a couple questions just to try and get to know you better so our listeners can get to All know right, you better. All right, lay it on me. Uh, so, you know, recently we had in Texas the snowpocalypse, as Noah likes to call it. And I'm sure other people as well. So, you know, what was your situation with that? We've already gone over, you know, Jacob had it probably the worst, but absolutely like nothing. Noah had no water. Pernay was not even here. Friggin' <laughs> Pernay. I will Pernay. say now that our water heater did break, actually. Oh, oh very wow. nice. Yeah. <laughs> it must have been so hard for you. 
Uh, actually, it's not that hard because <laughs> I just I, like, I need to take now. a shower. I just go over next. All right, I've actually listened to a couple right of now. the episodes of the podcast, and I think you guys are way too mean at Pranay. It's very important that we're there and support people with special disabilities. Right? We shouldn't oh up on that. And he's you'll you'll fit right in here. You're the story. It's oh, okay. Man. We all love Pranay probably the most, so we just make fun yeah. of him the most. Uh, That's just so how it works. If you were asking about my situation, I would consider myself very fortunate. Uh, I was pretty diligent to make sure none of my pipes burst, kept the drip going, uh, if you will. Nice. Uh, uh, in the beginning, I, w- I lost power, and then I was in this weird situation where I would lose power anytime my heater was on. So if it was, my heater was on for more mm. than 15 minutes, my power would go off. So what I basically do is I have my little study room downstairs. My family's in India, so I'm living by myself. Uh, I just work in my little room, uh, close the door, have my computer give me heat, and then the entire house was like 48 degrees. I had to turn off the water heater too, but that was fine by me. I like taking ice cold showers. That builds mental toughness. So I was just working like that. I actually got like a month's worth of homework done. So I, I I was very fortunate. I also buy food in bulk, so I didn't have any food problems. Didn't have to go out for anything. That's that's really nice. I lost all motivation to do homework. Honestly, when the snow hit, I was like, my time to relax. But you can definitely respect that. Well, it's more like if you're in a bad situation, you want to win. So I thought, okay, if it sucks, I might as well get something out of it. Well, I'm sure we'll see more of that outlook when you talk about your book. Oh, I'm excited to. Uh, okay, yeah. Do you want to just, you know, talk about your book a okay. little? You know, what it's uh, about? So right now, uh, I guess a good place to start is in August of 2020, I was reached out to by an Instagram DM by a professor from Georgetown. He runs something called the Creator Institute, which the whole point of that is he gets people who do creative endeavors or have like are friends of people in his network, and he tries to get them to publish a book. Uh, the main goal is that they do something in fiction or nonfiction that opens up opportunities, whether it's in consulting or writing professionally or something, even postgraduate or PhD. Uh, so when I was doing this, I wanted to write a book about something that is not often talked about, which is the crisis of masculinity. Because at least I'm seeing that because of changing trends and different needs for what it means to be a functioning adult, specifically a functioning man, a lot of young men, and because I have a history of like tutoring young kids and doing a lot of volunteering with young boys specifically who are struggling in school, is that young men are pushed into a world where they can't exactly follow the examples of their fathers and they're constantly confused on what it means to be a man. So I wanted to create a positive paradigm for masculinity, one where, well, we disavow the negative toxic masculine tropes of the past and try to create something more productive and healthy, not just for society, but for young men everywhere. All right. I'll be honest, I was not expecting that as a topic. I'm glad I can keep surprising you, Noah. It is interesting. Wait, so what what inspired you to start it, I guess? Uh, sorry, Pranay, could you repeat yourself? Yeah, so like, like when was the moment when you decided, hey, I want to actually write a book? Because, I mean, not many people our age actually, I think, sit down and just one day realists think, hey, I want to write a book. Uh, so I actually wanted to 
there were a couple of topics. I my greatest aspiration is to write fiction, uh, but nonfiction. And here's the thing: I would write a similar message, whether it's fiction or nonfiction. But whenever you're writing fiction, there's a level of abstraction. You can say a message, but you can't be explicit. You show people, you don't tell people. Whereas I prefer as to build my critical thinking skills. I'd much rather take a topic that I would anyway explore, and I would talk about it. And for me, masculinity has always been very important to me because a lot of the people who've inspired me in life to be better have been people who have been unabashedly masculine. Uh, my original working title for the book was supposed to be uh, Dreams from My Grandfather, but then that sounded a little too memoirish, so I decided to focus, uh, just call it The Greater Man, which is my current title. Uh, yeah, I feel like Obama might have hit you with a copyright strike on that. I don't care. Fuck Obama. <laughs> All right. <laughs> also, I am allowed to cuss, right? I... Yes, you're allowed to uh, cuss. Oh, so Obama's it's, a it's, fucking it's no cunt. There you go. Okay. Wow. All right. <laughs> okay. You know what? I feel like that'll lead down a very long road. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's. We can talk about politics later. <laughs> we we should probably talk. politics is it's that kind of topic. You feel me? Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, I know you know you've come here obviously as a guest on our podcast, but I, I am aware that you do have your own podcast. So you want to talk about that a little? What you you like to talk about on there? Okay. So I had like three episodes of a podcast made called the Dialectic. Uh, I stopped doing it the moment I started working my book because I want to devote all my creative endeavor towards that. But the Dialectic was basically me analyzing, uh, like the fundamental myths of modernity, like things that we take for granted and basically looking at it from different perspectives. Like one of my favorite topics to talk about is the is healthcare. So I talked about how uh, during the COVID response, most of the problems we saw in the economy shrinking was just because of healthcare. Uh, healthcare expenditures going down because of COVID. Uh, I talked about different art forms. I talked about mixed martial arts like UFC cards. Uh, speculation, most of which was always wrong. I'm terrible at predicting fights. But I would just explore random things uh, in different levels of abstraction. Yeah, we're going to go back to it, or is that dead in the water? Uh, so originally I was supposed to do it with a friend, but he kind of bailed on me because he was dealing with stressful work. Uh, I'm hoping to get back to it as soon as my book is published and ready. Uh, I'm about to send my first draft about the 5th of March. So as soon as that's done, my workload is a little free. I can start planning things out. Oh, that's cool. So you've already finished like an entire draft of your book? Uh, um, like I'm probably about 75, 80% done. Okay, nice. So yeah, I don't know if I'd have the mental fortitude to write a book, but. Oh yeah, definitely not. I can barely write an essay as it is. But uh, do you mind like sharing like what your, what you think your ultimate conclusion is going to be? Because like you seem to have like this idea of like you know where we need to take this idea of masculinity, right? So this is like broad topic because I think that there are multiple facets to being a man. Uh, a lot of times we have a reductionist view of what being a man is. It's like a man is a provider, a man is a warrior. It's uh, it's I think uh, very harmful because a lot of people don't fit neatly into boxes. So uh, it's not as simple as me saying I have one conclusion. But I talk about different aspects of masculinity. 
So for example, uh, and a lot of times I'm inspired by recent events. So uh, generally I have three different parts of being a man. First is being accountable for the people uh, in your life. That's your friends and your family, being there for them, being there to support them. Uh, the second is being driven for some sort of higher purpose, a cause, uh, something that motivates you to be disciplined every day, gets you ready, helps you build success for yourself, but also provides utility and good for the people around you. And finally, uh, freeing yourself from your chains, effectively dealing with all your vices, dealing with all your insecurities, and dealing with your trauma to heal. One of the big things I think about is intergenerational trauma, which is how violence from previous generations can affect you. Uh, there was a brilliant study showed that PTSD, when it manifests in the brain, can take up to four generations to leave a person's family. I did not know that. Mm. That is pretty crazy. I guess it makes sense. You know, sort of damaged parents make damaged children. Yeah. So I wanted to examine that in different ways. Mm. So would you say your book maybe would help you know, someone in a situation like that sort of break the cycle of, uh, you know, passing on whatever. Uh, that is one of my higher aspirations. I don't view the success of my book by how many copies I sell. Though it would be nice to sell a lot. Uh, I view it more as though if I can just help a couple of people. Because, again, in my experience, I have, I've dealt with a lot of people. Uh, whenever there's a crisis in family, I'm usually the, there to play, play peacemaker. So it's uh, just something that I've... It's a role that I've just found myself falling into multiple times. So I wanted to take this book as the next step. Hmm. Now, I, like, I'm not trying to be... Okay, I'm going to take the unusual step of trying not to be adversarial, adversarial here. Oh, please don't. But be feel, adversarial. That's your best. No, I feel like that would somewhat undermine like what I'm trying to get at. But anyways, I feel like some people might say, like, you know... Like, why are you trying to reinvent masculinity at all? Like, you know, there's no, like, they might say that, like, you know, society as a whole needs to move on, like, these, like, ideas of, like, traditional gender roles, like, masculine, feminine. And, like, we shouldn't be looking at people as, like, like, into, like, like we shouldn't be trying to, like, put people into boxes or, like, put people into better boxes. We should be trying to, like, put, do away with those, like, categoriz categorizations entirely and try to get people to see themselves as individuals. Like, how would you respond to those people? So actually, while writing this book, I did a lot of research into the gender abolitionist movement that harkens to a lot of what you're saying. And I've come to the conclusion that despite, like, masculine and female roles, uh, masculine and female roles are a good archetype for understanding different needs in a society. It's important that we as individuals can both compete with each other and cooperate. Is that there's a place for us to push forward and to do more and also for space for healing and i separate different strengths and weaknesses to different masculine and feminine tendencies everyone has a spectrum of masculine and feminine my book is primarily aimed for young boys because i mean at least from the sociological records that we have men tend to be more masculine women tend to be more feminine so i want to explain that while it's important that like we shouldn't divorce ourselves from femininity as men, it's also important that for we have to have a good relationship with, with masculinity. So it's equivalent of saying that we shouldn't have violence uh, in a society, which I would take a lot of issue with. I would rather say we should have a good relationship with violence than no relationship with it. 
Likewise, I think it's a good idea to have healthy masculinity rather than no masculinity. All right. Well, it sounds pretty interesting. I'm be honest, I probably won't read your book. I haven't read a book in two years. So, Rip. well, hopefully I can get Rip. it as an audiobook. Will that make it a bit more palatable? No, I don't listen to audiobooks either. I have no idea why, but yeah. Classic, Noah. Well, I'm just keeping I'm just it saying. real, Noah. <laughs> keeping it real, no. real. You listen to our podcast, Noah? No. I mean, while you're there, we record it, so why would you? But Also, I hate the sound of my own voice. I know Pernay listens to it. Pernay and I both uh, listen hey, to Hey, there are so podcast. many golden moments in this podcast. Oh, yeah. I, I completely agree. Uh, Pernay's oh. snowstorm story. Brilliant. How did you start listening to wait, our wait, podcast anyways? Wait, was it? Was that the... Was that the... Your, the biking yeah, one? the biking one. Beautiful. Oh, oh yeah. my god, that was... <laughs> uh, actually, no, this was showed this to me, and I, I generally like podcasts. Uh, they're a good way for me to... like. I like cleaning my house on Saturdays, so I'll just go through different podcasts throughout the week, and just while I'm cleaning. What What do you listen to? Because I also, also listen to quite a few podcasts as well. Yeah, so uh, I used to listen to the Joe Rogan experience a lot, but then it moved to Spotify, and then now I only listen if if it's someone cool. Uh, I like listening to a lot of political podcasts and uh, mixed martial arts podcasts, uh, cool stuff about AI, technology, philosophy. My favorite one right now is one called Crystal Kyle and Friends. It's a, like, a leftist podcast where a, two YouTubers that I really like interview uh, famous academics, leftist writers, and I think it helps me get a deeper understanding of about politics and the world around us. So I like it. So you said you're at UTD, right? Yeah. So you're doing econ? Yes. So what do you want to do with that? What's like the end goal there? Well, I think economics is just a tool to understand the world. Uh, Right now I'm using economics uh, along with programs uh, with cybersecurity. I'm actually also working on a cybersecurity certificate from Cisco. So my hope is that I can hopefully find a career in cybersecurity and cybersecurity analysis. And economics is just a fundamental tool for understanding threat actors and where they might attack. So it becomes like game theory, understanding probability, understanding uh, threat assessment. So all that, all those basic stuff. So I'm curious, That's like how do you- niche specifies field. How, how do you like exactly work that into like your, your economics major? Because I imagine that like um, there's there's like a lot of classes that deal with like the nitty gritty of like trade law and, and such and like not as uh like it's it's like not as not as many classes that deal with like um the fundamentals of like human psychoanalysis so it's actually or, uh, one of the professors at utd he works uh like blanking on his name right now but he's worked with the pentagon in creating assessments for uh for basically figuring out how terrorists are going to target different groups. So he's basically created uh, used economics, uh, economic models to figure out uh, like the probability of different regions in the Middle East uh, being breeding grounds for terror and their susceptibility to terror. So I want to take that uh, level and deal it with cyber terror. And economics is just a tool for understanding human motivation and human behavior. And I think that's just fundamentally a tool because when you're dealing with cybersecurity, you're dealing with threats like who's going to attack you, vulnerabilities in your own system, trade-offs between different vulnerabilities, and your assessment in trying to deal with them. 
So you're using these same tools. Economics just gives me a different perspective on that. Fair enough. You know, I haven't heard anybody uh, looking to get a major in economics purely for the uh, sort of behavioral aspect of it, but that is interesting. Again, most of the time you're working in a job that has very little to do with your major, unless you're like an engineer or a CS major. Most of the time uh, you have other skill sets that you're working on, your soft skills. Those are big determinant of your actual job capacity. Oh, yeah, like, for example, I'm getting a degree in IA. I'm probably going to end up working at IHOP. Well, I mean, you could probably Riff. do a bit better. Riff, no, huh? You could probably do Carl's Jr. That's a step down. That's a step down from IHOP, man. Is it? I actually, no, I, haven't, I, think I haven't so. been yeah, IHOP 100%. Dude, like, like, IHOP, IHOP <laughs> especially late at night, is IHOP quite, quite is decent. where you go when, like you're like absolutely smashed and like no other places open carl's jr is where you go when you try to get to ihop but you make a wrong turn okay i, I don't know i i don't eat at either of those places yeah i don't i i don't even know what they serve at carl's jr so i'm guessing it's like burgers i don't, and I don't, I just don't know either they serve carl's <laughs> what about you creative very creative <laughs> anyway so let me ask you something i i remember i I think I remember this correctly, but are you vegetarian? I think it's yes. Uh, so yes, I am a vegetarian, but there's a little bit of a caveat. I, I'm i a vegetarian for ethical reasons, and there are many ways that being a vegetarian is very unethical. So it's something that I've been coming to terms with, and I've done a lot of research in. Uh, I am in favor of eating meat from an animal that I have hunted, and I will only hunt animals that are a threat to the biosphere. So, for example, here in Texas, we have a huge problem with wild boars. So one day I'm probably going to go out hunting, kill a wild boar, and probably eat it. So, so why, why did you say that being vegetarian is unethical? Explain that a little bit. Uh, so this is something that I was also doing talk about in my book, which is a relationship with violence. Uh, human beings are very, very violent creatures. Even agriculture is incredibly violent. When a... Uh, you know, those machines that uh, reap wheat uh, through fields at harvest time, I think they're called harvesters, I believe. Uh, when they go through a field, they will kill thousands of rabbits. That We are paying for our wheat, our bread, with the blood of innocent little creatures. Uh, the pesticides that we use... Uh, kill a large insect population which further affects birds, uh, small rodents, and then up the food chain. Uh, we commit a lot of violence against Mother Nature. So I think that a sustainable consumption of food, one that minimizes violence, is one where we also have to do violence and hunt animals. Because at least uh, if we get rid of animals that are nuisances to the environment, like wild hogs, which are destroying the local Texas environment, we do so a favor to the earth while also negating some of the harm that we do through agriculture. So it's a more nuanced perspective. Do you think that's but, like, sustainable for like everyone to do? Like maybe sure it's um, a lot of people can do that like on themselves. But like to have everyone move to this to that sort of lifestyle, is that do you think that's sustainable? Um it, it it really depends. Because here's the thing, right? If we all ate meat at the same level as the average American it would not be sustainable. One of the big reasons that the Amazon is being cleared is for 
cow pastures because beef production is up. Uh, so there, there's a bit of a nuanced approach. Ideally, we'd be insectivores because that's a highest amount of protein and nutrients uh, per like energy input. I can't. I'm, I'm going to stop you right there, Chief. Nope. That's, that is unacceptable. Unacceptable. I said ideally. That is not ideal. No, that's not, not ideal. Ideal from an environmental perspective. Now all I cannot I cannot emphasize this enough. I will I would rather kill myself and everybody else in the city than have to eat insects to live. I mean No, would you become vegan? Uh if, if you had to choose between being vegan or eating insects. Bro. Now you gotta That's pin it against the wall, man. No, I would rather be vegan because spinach doesn't crawl around on the fucking bathroom floor. Well, I mean, most that of, is true. I've done a little bit of research. Most of the insects that people eat are like crickets that are specifically bred. But again, fuck crickets. Uh, again, it is just one I, option. I, uh, but like different ways that we can look at sustainable consumption uh, until we get like proper lab-grown meat until we're able to uh, create more sustainable methods of agriculture that don't rely on these factory farms or animal husbandry, we're kind of stuck always picking some sort of violent option. So that's something that I've been thinking a lot about. Man, I've never been happier to be vegetarian, honestly. Yep. I mean, thinking about insects kind of disgusting. Are you vegetarian for religious reasons or for ethical reasons? I don't know. I was just raised vegetarian, so I I'm just like this is my life now. We go with it. Like there's no necessary. I'm not like I'm doing it for this reason. I'm doing it for that reason. I'm just doing it because I was raised to do it. When I told my mom, she was heartbroken. When you told her you were no, that I was going that I was planning on hunting. Oh, nice. (laughs) (laughs) Noah, nice. (laughs) I don't know. I think that's pretty funny. Uh, okay, well, tell us a bit about your your whole martial arts. I always see you posting pictures of you with this dude, and you're always on the mat, like, slapping each other. So tell me what that's all about. Okay, so not slapping, but jujitsu. Uh, it's a grappling art that's focused on forcing the opponent to submit, either through the threat of choking them out or by snapping their joints. It's uh, basically really violent grinder. Yeah, essentially. It, it, to the outside viewer, it is very sexual. If you're in there, the last thing on your mind is sex. Uh, well, so jiu-jitsu, it's an it's, uh, offshoot from Japanese jiu-jitsu, uh, which then turned into judo, which then went, went to Brazil, became Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which is the variant that I practice. Uh, generally speaking, it's a grappling event. Uh, there's not much to say other than it is one of the few events or combat sports where you can go, you can practice at full blast because at least relative to it, there's very low chance of injury from concussion, though I have been slammed against the mat, which has resulted in a concussion before. But it's a safer art. And at least from the philosophy of jiu-jitsu, if most fights can end up on the ground, being able to navigate on the ground provides a lot of ample safety. Uh, humans are much more explosive and dangerous standing up. Taking them to the ground neutralizes that. Easier to control and detain and de-escalate a situation. So how did you even get into this? Uh, yeah, so... Uh, this one's a little tough to talk about, but um, 
So right after I graduated senior year, my grandfather passed away. And it was a really tough time for all of us. My mom had to go back to India, and I was basically stuck here taking care of my sister. Uh, so just to like get my mind off of that, I enrolled into a local MMA gym. I did some Muay Thai, did some jujitsu, some wrestling. Uh, basically, it was like it was a tough time for me. I would literally, I remember because I would go all the way there. I would show up like I'd be there 15 minutes early. I'd just wait in my car. I'd cry, have a nervous breakdown, then go inside, train, feel better, come back home, do my chores. It was just something that I dealt with, and it helped me, but but it gave a lot of self discipline in order for me to get out of tough times. And then later on, uh, earlier last year, 2019. My aunt passed away, and she was, in many ways, like an older sister to me. And so that was also tough. So decided, okay, go back to jiu-jitsu. There's an academy here in Plano. Shout out to Sharpen Iron Academy here in Plano. And I enrolled, and I tried to go as often as possible. COVID, injuries, a lot of stuff got in my way, but it's just something that's given structure to my life. So it's almost therapeutic for you? Uh, very. It's actually the fir- first day here at Saya. Uh, one of the black belt instructors, uh, we call black belts professors because getting a black belt in jiu-jitsu is equivalent of doing a PhD, but he was, he's a smaller guy. He's about 5'5". Five, five. He's actually, I could probably lift him with one arm. Uh, he grabbed me by my the lapels of my kimono, and I realized, holy shit, this man could snuff my life out like a candle. At, at that point, I was hooked. <laughs> that is kind of weird, I'm going to be honest. It is both terrifying and inspiring, honestly. <laughs> well, like you found a way to cope with tragedy that somehow involves you having a like some sort like weird fetish for like almost dying repeatedly. Well, once again, it's not a matter of just embracing that, but it is a it is an outlet. It is a way to express a different side of me because we can't like again. It's very important to have a healthy relationship with violence. We can't just go out in the street and just pick fights with people. That's disastrous for society. That's dangerous to ourselves. It's not healthy. So we need a structured way for that to happen. So I find grappling something, uh, grappling as something that best fits that. And again, for different people, their mileage may vary. But I just love jujitsu. Fair enough. Yeah, I know. For me personally, I'm a fan of the desk slam. Technique. Oh yeah. No, every time we play yes, with I can feel like just, just taking on his violence on his desk. He is a black belt in that very much, Professor. <laughs> oh, my God. All right. Hey, look, in my defense, I also have a black belt in Taekwondo, so it's not as hard to get, but I still I also have a black belt in Taekwondo. The first time I yeah, fought against a Thai boxer, I realized that means shit. Yeah, it doesn't mean anything, but I still got it, okay? Well... Uh, one last question. I think we'll move on to uh, greener pastures. When you hunt that boar, will you try to perform an arm bar on it? Uh, no. Animals are much more dangerous than humans. Um, like a boar that's even like 90 pounds is very ca- capable of causing serious bodily am- damage to me. Right. And but I'm also not a very good fighter. If you were to try to grapple that boar... Uh, i probably try to take the back. An arm bar doesn't work. I, I think the leverages for a boar's joints make an arm bar untenable. All right, well, that boar better uh, tap out. Well, actually, no, you're going to kill Anita anyway, so I don't think it matters. Well, I, I would probably do it in <laughs> an ethical way. Uh, I'd probably use a gun. I, I, I'm a big fan of bolt-action rifles, so that's probably what I'd use. 
That's well, kind of weird. Not going to lie, that is kind of weird. That I'm At least you're in Texas, you know. <laughs> no, 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 so here's the thing, right? I'm pretty liberal. I'm actually a socialist. But you can't be a socialist without being in favor of the Second Amendment. People have the, should have the right to defend themselves. Anirudh, I'm going to be completely straight with you. If I didn't know you personally, and somebody just described you to me verbally, I would think that you were a school shooter. I would think that, like, legitimately, like, oh, my God, this guy is going to kill everybody he knows. But, like, I'm incapable of believing that from you because you're the most infuriatingly happy person I've, I've ever met. I've ever had the displeasure of meeting. I hate the fact that, like, you somehow come to school every day and, like, you are just so upbeat. It's disgusting. <laughs> well, have you met Pernay? Pernay is a different kind of upbeat. See, Pernay is happy because he doesn't understand how bad life is. He's a fucking golden retriever. Aniru gets it, but he doesn't care. He comes to school anyways, and he realizes that life is bullshit, and he's so fucking happy anyways, and I hate it. So what's your it. analogy for that? What is he like? Pernay's a golden retriever. Fucking bullshit. That's my analogy. Okay. <laughs> no, I think Noah's just upset that I've risen above the chains that hold him down. Yeah, and I, I want to pull him back down here because now he ain't getting out. You're not strong no. enough, Noah. <laughs> no, 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 no. He's he's no, Bane trying to get out of the hole, and I'm like, no, no, you're coming back here, buddy. You you were born in the darkness. You are staying down here. But anyways, yeah, let's move on. <laughs> Batman, Batman level shit. All right. Speaking of climbing uh. out of the darkness. GameStop. <laughs> GameStop. Man. Uh, the stocks are back. It's, got, it's going to the moon. Oh my god. To the moon. It's going to the fucking moon. Since, since, our, since the last time we talked, um, I don't know. I'm holding. I'm holding. Yeah, so you still you still have the stuff that you bought? I, I, I bought five at 90. Oh no. Damn. Um, All, right, All right. Are you familiar with I, the, I wrote, our, our Lord I, I mentioned in my game? chapter. I mentioned my chapter. I... I hate speculation. There are very few things I hate more oh, than gambling. Oh, but this I is hate speculation, about my this. friend. This is speculation. This is not, this is not speculation. It's not speculation. This is entire- it's a fact. These rockets yeah. to the moon, diamond hands, baby. It's together strong. See, this is the type of masculine. This is the type of stereotypically masculine behavior that I absolutely hate. This is what I disavow in my book. Speculation is bad. All right, all right, paper hands. All right, paper hands. Now, while you're sitting there being like all non-toxically masculine us apes are gonna get on a fucking rocket and we're going to mars bitch <laughs> oh man <laughs> noah do you have anything invested in gmv not a penny <laughs> but i am along with the ride spirit my man like i am here for it i'm here for the ride like this stock is probably the most exciting thing to happen like all year and i'm counting the capital riots like, this is the funniest shit I've ever witnessed. No, so... No, I... I, I agree with you that no. there is a sense of justice here in that it's a little guy taking it to the big guy. I, there's a little David and Goliath feeling about that. I appreciate that. I still think it's unhealthy. All right, but, like, everything's unhealthy, man. No? I don't know. I, I Everything... Well, the reason I even invested in the first place was... Like, I don't know, I wanted to start, you know, trading stocks, like, actually doing stuff like that, uh, finance-wise, and I figured putting some of my own money in would probably encourage me to do a bit more, like, learning and reading, which I have, so, you know, like, even if, 
Like the amount of money I put in, I was like okay with losing. So, so. can I offer you this? Uh, in a systematic study done by Forbes, they found that over the past 10 years, hedge funds filled with sophistic, so-called sophisticated investors had an 8% return on, uh, on the market. Whereas the S&P 500, just a, the ragtag index stocks, had a 15% return. You are actually better off just investing in an index fund than any type of specialized trading, statistically. Yeah, I mean, that's why we're fucking them over. No, I, I agree, definitely, but it's just kind of fun. You know what I mean? See, oh my God. Like, See, this is, this it's is... a bit like a game. Like, we all played, and we all took econ in high school, right? And we all had to do the economics, like the stock trading game. Yeah, I remember. So I just, I just, obviously, it's real money and stuff, but I swear to God, it's man. also fun. It's also so, fun. See, like, this, is, this is where it's gambling and speculation because that thrill. The, dop- the dopamine, that is the destructive behavior. Dude, I am a gambling addict, man. Loot boxes, think... give me them all day. <laughs> so so let me ask you this then. If you were to go to like Vegas, right? Mm-hmm. Would you not like participate in any of like, like would you not play poker, blackjack, nothing? Uh, not if money's on the line. What? So, I think it's unhealthy. So you so you just like play for fun if that was an option? Yeah, i play for fun. Or again, if I was just given money, like uh, casino chips that can they can't be turned into cash, if I'm stuck in that system. Then yeah, I, I'll play around with it, but I'm never gonna put any of my money in it. Yeah, fair enough. I guess I just don't have hmm. the same value for twenty bucks as you do. Yeah, Noah lives for the gamble. Oh my god, this is the only no, thing that, that warms my cold dead heart, man. It's like oh, it's a feeling of the gamble. Well, so this is actually something that's been worrying me. In recent years, gambling has been increasing. Uh, there was a study that found that uh, at least 60% of college-age men will engage in some form of gambling. And of that, up to 5 to 6% of them will develop a crippling gambling addiction that could ruin their lives. Well, no, it's definitely in that 5 or 6. It's not 5 to 6%. Hey, look, man. Gambling can't ruin my life any more than I already have, all right? Like, gambling's going to have, like, to, like, step up if it wants to ruin my life, all right? I'm already up here. I'm at my. I'm at the top of my game when it comes to ruining my life, all right? Gambling ain't got nothing on me. Well, so then what happens if that problem becomes someone else's problem? Like, the people who have problem gambling addictions, they don't just end up living in a box down the street. Sometimes they end up getting to financial institutions like hedge funds. Their, their gambling can have disastrous effects to the global economy. That's why I'm never getting a job. Okay. I mean, if you want to restrict your... your <laughs> if you want to restrict all the damage you do just for yourself, I, I find that more noble than most. Uh, all right. Well, I don't have a gambling addiction, to be clear. I just think it's really well, funny to say that I do. My, my perspective is... And Pranay, I want your perspective after this because you're also studying like econ and math and stuff. But yeah. But I mean, my perspective is if you take an amount of money that you're okay losing. Like if I go to a casino, I'll take like 200 bucks and I'll be like, you know what? If I lose all of this $200, that's fine. And I'll just like have fun with it, you know? Like it, it's, to me, it's like the same as like maybe like buying something, right? So I'm buying like the entertainment I'm getting at a casino in Las Vegas. And like that's... Even though I'm like you know gambling the two hundred, it's I look at it the same way. I mean, 
I guess like part of it is that like you need to see gambling as an inherently losing proposition and be mm-hmm. okay with that. But also, I think you know, some people just need like a dopamine dopamine fix. It's like really no different between like gambling addiction, heroin addiction. That is uh, true. Whatever. So uh, again, like what Visor, it's the equivalent of drinking responsibly or just drinking at a party or a social event. You're doing something where you've set limits to make sure it doesn't become disastrous later down the line, that's far more responsible. Uh, ideally, you don't do that at all. Like, the health, best way is to healthy is to not drink at all. But if you enjoy drinking, do it responsibly. If you enjoy the rush of losing money, do it responsibly. But it becomes a problem when it becomes <laughs> addictive. Oh, man, I you love have, losing money. Yeah. Uh, let me, the house always wins. These casinos are function. The stock market is function, so the house always wins. Yeah, I if mean, you have no I'm illusions, then I think that's much better. What What do you think, yeah. Renee? I mean, yeah, I mean, I feel like what this says kind of is fine. It's just like if you view it as just the same way as you view paying to play laser tag, then it should like it should be fine in my opinion. Like, oh man, we should play laser tag. If you have tag. them, if you have that mindset, that it should be fine. But if it's like. I, I don't know, you're just addicted to laser tag, you just can't stop playing laser tag, then, then that's a bit unfortunate. Unfortunate. Yeah. Addiction is bad, kids. Don't get addicted to anything. Not even air. Yeah. I can stop breathing whenever I, I, I want to. I don't know. I don't know if anyone's <laughs> It's not a problem. Man, but laser tag takes me back. Oh, to, man, dude. I, I don't know. I feel like we'd always have these school events where they'd be like, go to main yeah, event main and pay event. like 20 bucks. Right. And then laser tag land. was the no, event. Was Wait, so I have a question. Uh, laser tag yeah. or paintball? I want everyone to give me an answer. Oh. Paintball. Easy. Thank you, Noah. I got shot in the neck while playing paintball. It was the best shit ever. It was so fun. <laughs> I think paintball just... I've seen Community. So I, you guys haven't seen Community, but they have these amazing paintball scenes in Community. So absolutely, like for me, yeah, it's paintball. I, I remember I was trying to get you guys to like play paintball with me. Like I really wanted to play paintball. I remember you guys this, just I was with you, Noah. Yeah, I was yeah, with you. Yeah, the rest of you guys, you pussied out on me. I was like, come on, guys, let's play paintball. You're like, no, I don't want to get hurt. What was this? Why? I'm not sure like I've ever seen this in my life. Noah, if you ever ask me to do paintball, I will 100% say yes. I, I don't want to do paintball with you. You're going to be too happy, man. <laughs> You're going to ruin my vibe. <laughs> I'm going to be happy putting inflicting pain on you. That's, that's, you put it in such a way as it has stopped sounding fun and it started becoming oddly sexual. I don't like this. I need to help. <laughs> you just Wait, enjoyed... Hey, what, were, what were you saying about paintball? Did you agree with Noah? Actually, I don't know what my opinion I mean, like, I've never turned down a paintball opportunity. I will say that. But I don't know, Wait, like... Are you sure? I didn't know. I remember Joey led the army of... I don't want to get shot. Oh, yeah. Joey's like, I don't know. I'm not doing it. Like, oh, Joey was not for it. I remember. I feel like a lot of it depends on, like, the setting or the arena at which you're playing. That is true. Too. Like an obstacle course. Like a really, really sick laser tag arena with, like, multi-levels and stuff. Mm. Like, that could be <sighs> just, like, a random playing field of paintball. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like doing paintball in the woods. There's a survivalist aspect to it that I enjoy. 
Yeah, it definitely could be fun. I mean, with laser tag, there's always the chance you get, like, technical difficulties. Like, your thing doesn't shoot any lasers or, like, you can't get shot or it's, like, lagged out. Like, I don't know. I've, I've faced those, like, quite a few times when I play laser tag. But with paintball, it's, like, very straightforward. You get hit with paint, you're, you're done. Otherwise, you're in it. Like, Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I'm a fan. You know I what? Just... I think post COVID, we should all go play some paintball. I mean, you can do no. co- you can do paintball even sure. during COVID. I mean, I don't know. You can be socially distant. Yeah, but like, honestly, I just feel like I don't want to take that risk. Like, honestly, like because like I'm quarantining at home, like with my family. Like any any risk I take upon myself, I'm I'm therefore also like taking upon them. And... That is true. Uh, your risk calculus is different than mine. I'm living by myself right now. Yeah. How's that working out for you, by the way? Oh, I love it. I'm super productive. Uh, it's a little... I'm a person who likes a clean house, but I'm also a very messy person. So it's uh, a little annoying sometimes. But other than that, I love it. I'm free. So do you, like, have contact with, like, anybody? Of course. I like. I, I train in jiu-jitsu. I have friends. I, I oh, do, like, yeah, yeah. I do no, watch parties for the UFC. Like, every fight card that happens. Like, there's a card this Saturday. I'm going to call some friends over. We're going to... Drink and enjoy. Responsibly. Responsibly. Yeah, drink responsibly. Allegedly. Okay. (laughs) 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 Uh, Uh, All right. Well, I like how Cobb is beside the dire time, and then he's just like, okay. All right. Well, all right. Uh I'm an intense person. GOP. It's, It's fine. Fine. I don't think anyone is. I don't. Noah's twenty first birthday is coming up like this year, Wait, as is mine. Yeah, I, oh I, yeah. Oh, this year. Okay, I thought you were. It's recent. I'm. I'm turning uh twenty one in September. August, bitch. Oh, so you're a little older. Yeah, get fucked. Oh, I'm younger. Rip December boys. I've been in this world longer than y'all. That's why I have this. Grim I mean, do you guys think of my fault? I guess with the whole COVID situation, will that sort of hopefully be resolved? Will people be vaccinated across the board? Like, I what mean, do you guys well, think is going to happen? I in the feel fall? realistically, it's going to be at least like Christmas time before things go really back to normal. Even if like things start to get moving around the fall time, it still won't be like 100% like it used to be. People will still have like that fear and the anxiety, even if they're vaccinated. Yeah. It's just like the, the mental stigma of like, oh, maybe this person has it. I could still potentially get it. It's not, like, 100% effective. I think only about, like, Christmas time, things will be truly back to normal. Like, my grandparents? Uh, that's just me. Uh, sorry, go ahead, God. Yeah, that's just, that's just like, me. That's just mm. my opinion. Yeah, like, my grandparents uh, just got their second shot. Like, I think it was, like, last last week. Or, or it was, like, very recently. Uh, and my parents have yet to, like, even get on, like, the wait list. So, like, I'm, I'm like, just, like, sort of, like, tear like like thinking about like those tears where like it took a couple months for my grandparents to get it and honestly it'll probably won't be until like summer for like my parents to get it and they're more at risk than me so like honestly i'm probably not gonna get until like mm-hmm. i don't know that's the earliest it was yeah like just going on that like most of my family is like medical professionals right so we were like very first in line right but like even when like a lot of my family got it it didn't change like how they interacted at all like they were still super super precautious even with the people who had the vaccine like even with like all the other like people who worked in the hospital like there was no 
real change, even though everybody's vaccinated. Mm -hmm. Well, so one thing that I've read, uh, this is from Politico, that the United States is on track, hopefully by April, to have 3 million doses ready each day. So we could actually see a huge push. 3 million doses is about 1.5 million people a day. We could see a huge push in April that could probably culminate in July. A lot of, at least, herd immunity being achieved. My math is correct. I hope so, but honestly, I'm just... I'm I'm going to lean towards pessimism here just because I, I feel like just government procurement in general is slow as fuck. And I just have no faith in, in the government's ability to roll this out on a federal, state, or city level in a timely manner. Mm, yeah, I, I get that. Faith in government is in an all-time low for me as well. And I'm a socialist. I mean... I am too, but that doesn't mean I like this one. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that's a question for you, Noah. What type of socialist are you? I'm the kind who hates everybody, and I I think that like so a cynical prick. Yeah, that, that's a pretty good. That's a pretty good uh, way to sum it up. I don't think anybody should be like have too much power because everybody's very stupid and liable to make bad decisions. Okay. You know, it's interesting. Actually, I've had a lot of discussions with Noah. Actually, I feel like we've had maybe even discussions on this podcast before about how surprising, like, certain facts are about the American populace. Like, what was, like, the average SAT score of... Is it, uh, like, 1060? I remember Noah and I talked about this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, something like 900 or 1100, right? So, I think the average SAT score, when I looked it up, um, the mean, the like the mean of the bell curve should be around ten sixty. That's what College Board tries to do it every time, yeah, right? Yeah, it was like uh, one thousand nine hundred something like oh, that. Okay. And top ninetieth percentile was at thirteen hundred. And I'm I'm, I'm be honest, that kind of shook me. Well, I mean, you, you have to understand the data is a little skewed. A lot of people are taking it with English as their second language. Yeah, but not everybody. I mean, it's. I think at least fifteen percent of the country has English as their second language, right? Yeah, but it wouldn't skew the data, like. Yeah, that's not that. like well, like half of the, the scores are below, like one thousand. Yeah, but again, right? Uh, tests like those, like same thing with IQ tests. Take them with a grain of salt. They're very. There are multiple different types of intelligence, multiple different types of expression. People are a lot smarter than you give them credit for. Oh, yeah. I'm not saying, like, the SAT is, like, the end-all, be-all of, like, yeah. how smart you are. But, like, it, I don't know. Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just, it's like, interesting. it's, like, where I put the bar was honestly just, like, you know, I, I thought, like, you know, like, yeah, yeah sure. Not every, I'm not expecting everybody to have, like, you know, super high reading comprehension, math, like, all that. But, like, honestly, like, I was not expecting the average to be that low, and all I'm going to say, yeah. all I'm going to say is I recently saw a video where mm. they went out and asked 100 different Americans uh, across the country to point on a map where North Korea oh, was. Well. And there was at least 5% of the responses were inside the United States. Ah, uh, yes. <laughs> I mean, we have North Dakota, North Carolina. <laughs> I mean, North, like, I what's one more? What's one more? Like, no, North Korea, come on. North Carolina. 51st state. Oh, the North Carolina comes oh, out man. to the return. <laughs> PJ. 
<laughs> do you know that meme? <laughs> oh my. Do you know that meme where it's like that dude in glasses and he's just drenched in sweat? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I feel like that's Brene right now. Um, uh, uh, yeah. yeah just pretend you don't know what we're talking about, Brene. Yeah. Bob, do you still have that North Carolina coin? I do. I do still have that North Carolina yeah. coin. It is my lucky coin. Are you going to take that coin to your grave? I will take it to my grave. <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> Are you going to put it over your forehead like the Romans did? Actually, I, so this, this is a question I have for everyone. Uh, when you die, how do you want your body to be treated? How do you want your remains to be prepared? Throw it in the trash. Honestly. Okay. <laughs> okay. Like... Uh, well, actually, no. Donate, donate for like whoever needs organs. That's probably the better thing to do. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's say you die in a car crash and like your organs are unusable. Scrape me off the road and throw me into the trash. Like, like uh, it's it's like I mean I'm dead. I don't care what happens to my body. Okay, but, that's fair. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, like any amount of money spent on me after I'm dead is a waste. <laughs> that's pretty pragmatic. All right, Jet. What about you? Uh, I mean, well, I'm Hindu, so I'm probably just cremated. Okay. Mm-hmm. BJ. Yeah, probably the same. I yeah. I don't. I don't have any like specific thing that I want. <laughs> oh well, I do need to leave whoever like like whatever. I a note to leave Noah my door. Oh yeah. I made a promise to Noah <laughs> in the seventh grade. That yeah, I gotta write that into my will. If that were to ever happen, I would give Noah my door. That was such a weird, stupid promise. Yeah, I'm holding Dude, it. I on. am too. Like honestly, you, I'm holding that promise just be- because of how stupid it is. Like you know, how you have to open a door to get to my room. Yeah, like the yeah. bedroom door. I'm gonna yeah. give Noah that door. Yeah, we we made we made a promise to each other that whoever dies like first, they door. have to leave their bedroom door to the other person in their will. I don't know why we decided on that. Oh, that's I, strangely sweet. Like, I have no fucking clue why we decided. That was like the dumbest prom- like promise to make. It's it's a door. It's, if anything, it's gonna be an inconvenience <laughs> because where the fuck are you gonna put it? It's a door. <laughs> and then, it's adorable. As one house will just not have a door. <laughs> but you know what? It's fucking hilarious. So we're doing it. Yeah, we kept it with it. And remind you of Jared. Did you mean to do that? Uh, the pun. Yeah. The first time, no. The second time, yes. Okay. I just had to clarify. I didn't even notice the pun. Wait a I, second. No, don't repeat it. Don't repeat it. I didn't notice it either, and I don't want to know. There are levels to this okay. game, Viswa. Try to keep up. Bruh, it's my mental capacity as time... Look, today's been a very long day for me, but... Oh, yeah, you, you mentioned earlier that it. you were busy. What were you doing? Oh, well, I had, like, a hackathon earlier today. And I had like a bunch of assignments I had to finish, and then I had more meetings for these other clubs. It's just one big mess. Mm-hmm. Okay. But in other news, um, wait, did, did we miss anyone? Cobb, how would you want your? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm, I'll go traditional. I'll, I'll just be buried. You know. Are you gonna I have mean, like a... eventually? What? Sorry, are you gonna have like what? What are those like? Op- is it an open casket? Is that what those are called? It's like, that's just like the funeral. Like, if you want people to see your body or not. Like, Are you going to have that? I guess I don't really have an opinion on that yet. Well, what if you have to have it one right now or else I'll kill you? Yeah, sure. I mean, they make you look... They, Wait, no, Kyle, they, don't they answer. You look good. If you don't answer, stuff. he can't yeah. kill you because he won't know how to bury you. Oh, oh. Oh, wait a second. on a different level. Hey, there's levels to this game. <laughs> I heard someone say that once. Uh, oh, no, I... I 
probably do open if I had to do it right now. <sighs> That'd be so weird. I don't, just I, this is weird to me, but you do you, Cobb. Yeah, I mean, that's just what, it. like, every funeral that I've been to has been like that, so. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, okay. you, you oh, know what? I would want my body to, like, be used for something, like, like interesting. Like, being launched out of a catapult. That would be cool. <laughs> okay. I feel like it's super sus. You just, I want my body to be used for something interesting. Not necrophilia. Necrophilia is not interesting. NASA does take like people who have died and they use they like test them out in space using their different cells. Oh, you know what? So yeah, sign me up. Fucking shoot me into space. Like, because as far as I'm concerned, once I'm dead, then I think my body should be used for something that you wouldn't be able to use a living person for. Mm-hmm. I.e., throwing them from a catapult. And what about what about you on your? How would you want? Uh, so here's the thing. Uh, what I want will probably be irrelevant because the funeral is for my family to mourn. Hopefully, my friends too. Uh, but I would probably want my body donated to science after my organs have been given up. You know, medical students can learn. Maybe Cobb can use it. Uh, learn how to better operate You'd on people. You'd have to die pretty fast, man. Oh my god! Could you imagine when like Cobb's a doctor? He has like the skeleton in like the corner of his office, and every patient he's like, "Hey, that's my friend, Tony Reed. <laughs> that's, that's the skeleton right there." <laughs> uh, so they would think I was insane. Nah, man, you're a doctor. Those are the you best have, kind you of doctors. Excuse. You're a doctor. Come wait, on, so, every doctor, like you gotta have a skeleton, man. Like, come on. Wait, so are those skeletons in doctors' offices like real skeletons? Or I thought those were just no models. Way, right? no, no, no. no. <laughs> There's no way. Okay. No, they're made of plastic. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> okay, that would be that's a little too morbid even for me. <laughs> in other less morbid news, Noah got summoned to jury duty. Yay! Seriously? Yeah. Lucky. Yep. I got my summonses. I'm not. Do you want to get out of it? Myself. Honestly, it, it depends on the case. If the case is interesting, then yeah, I want to go. But like, I looking the, like looking up jury duty, I I learned that apparently Texas is one of three states where you can request a trial by jury for any level of charge, even low as a parking ticket. Which means I could potentially be stuck there for like half a week listening to some dude argue that like he shouldn't have to pay his like speeding ticket because he was high and he didn't realize how fast he was going. Uh, Texas, I love you, Texas. Fucking hate this state, man. I love this state. It's it's strange, but out of all the places that I lived, it's one of the least racist places and one of the most lively and rich. I feel like you're probably just going to the wrong parts of Texas. I mean, Dallas, Austin, Houston, a couple of times yeah, see, Waco and San Antonio. To, like, the, the metropolitan parts of Texas. I'm talking about like, you know, the, the bumfuck, no, like middle of nowhere parts of Texas. Also, PJ, PJ had a, uh, we talked about this earlier, but PJ has seen firsthand that Southern hospitality is real. Yeah, these are civilized people. They're real people. Yeah, I mean, most people are civilized. It's kind of, kind of, kind of comes with the meaning of civilization. Indeed. So wait, back to the back to the jury duty thing, really quick. No? Yep. So, wait, Grenade, do you remember the episode of uh, The Office where Stanley talks about jury duty? Would you do it? Know it just because you get air conditioning and you get food well, and you just get no, to judge I people? No, I don't because I gotta do it over Zoom. 
Oh no, it's even worse. Oh right. Yeah. Wait, do you get what? What like you just do jury duty just to do jury duty, or do you get paid anything? Apparently, I don't. I don't know. I forgot. You can be paid anywhere from six to fifty dollars per day, <laughs> although that can be waived by the county at the county's discretion. So I could potentially be paid nothing. Fucking nothing. Okay. Or wow. I could be that paid six dollars. Fat lot of good that'll do me. Oh wow. Okay, well, I mean, there are ways you can get out of it. Yeah, but like honestly I checked and I'm not eligible for any of them. No no. There are they different interview ways. you, don't they interview you? Yeah, well, I you guess I could just tell like, them I'm screaming racist, but stuff. like that feels somewhat disingenuous. <laughs> so here's a little thing. I actually you found just say this you're out. a socialist. Oh, continue, Pernay. I was just going to say, just say you're a socialist. And then there nice. You go. I mean, yeah, but you could do that. Or uh, uh, this is actually something I found out in uh, my first Lincoln-Douglas debate topic was on jury nullification. And if you know the inner workings of jury nullification, then legally you can't sit on a jury. Ooh. Oh, oh, right. Yeah, I remember this. Yeah. I saw this in an episode of Suits. I saw this in an episode of CGP Grey. <laughs> Yes, very nice. No, I just read about jury nullification, and you're out of it. Yeah, but like, I, I kind, like, I kind of want to see just like on the off chance that it's like an actual interesting case, because I am pretty yeah. bored. Do you get the details of the case before you've been selected? No, I don't I think so. Was... I'm pretty sure. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think they would tell you yeah, anything my, until. My understanding of how jury duty works. Honestly, my understanding of most things in the world come from TV. But my understanding <laughs> of how jury duty works is that once like. They, I guess, ask you all like the questions, and like they, they decide to put you on the jury. And once it's like the jury has been finalized, that's when they actually like reveal what the case is. So you have no idea what case is until you've been like finalized as a part of the jury. Yeah, well, in all likelihood, I'll probably just get stricken anyways, just because I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, it depends. Texas has some very vin- uh, they try to set standards to find the most vindictive jurors possible. Oh no! No, it can fit right oh, in. Oh no! <sighs> but uh, Noah doesn't seem like the kind of guy who's gonna say, "Oh, this guy was caught with X amount of cocaine. He should get fifteen years in prison." He doesn't seem um, very vindictive. That that man needs to be out on the streets, cleaning up the streets, cleaning up the cocaine on the streets. Man, he's doing the he's doing a he's, public service. He's, he's doing clean, the Lord's work. Yeah, he's cleaning up the drugs we have on the street, man. Like yeah. He's just, he's taking them off the street and putting them inside him. Yeah. Well, and that's, that's honestly kind of a nice note to end it on. But before we do that, uh, Anir, do you want to tell us a bit about where we could probably maybe find your book oh, in the future? Okay, so the way that this works is I'm going to start a pre-sale campaign, probably over Kickstarter. Uh, so I'll be posting, like, the updates for that on, like, on Instagram and my other official social media. Uh, my Instagram is just Anirudh Garg official. You'll find it. It'll be a vague LinkedIn-like profile picture of me and random times of me doing jujitsu. But effectively, you can follow the latest updates for whatever is happening in my book when the pre-sale campaign launches, uh, special benefits you can sign up for. Uh, hopefully, I'll start launching a Substack so I can start doing weekly newsletters. Okay, yeah, solid. So, uh, 
is is that all you want to talk about for that or is there anything else you want to add maybe about your book or just yeah so i would say this uh, the way that this book will reach wider audiences like get translated into different languages is more people join onto the pre-sale campaign because i working with new degree press but i own all the royalties and the rights to my book so the pre-sale campaign allows me to fund the publication of it so if you're even vaguely interested in these ideas, uh, supporting the pre-sale campaign makes it much easier for me to reach a wider audience. My goal is to have it translated into as many languages as possible and even make it accessible in audiobook formats. Oh, yeah, really cool. Uh, I guess we will, I hope that pans out for you. And I mean, we'll see, you know, as the progress of your book's launch. I thank you for your well wishes. Starts to roll out, right? Beyond that, I think we all had a great time talking to you. Yeah, uh, I had a great time as well. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, during this episode. And I mean, if you want to see us, you know, bring in more guests on Sending the Obvious, you can leave a comment on wherever you're watching this from and let us know. You can follow uh, us to get more updates about when we're posting new episodes of the podcast. Yeah, hope you have a great rest of your day, night, whenever. And uh, thanks for listening. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs>